Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Well, good morning. Good to see all your smiling faces here and all your smiling faces at home as well. I want to welcome you all, even if you're not smiling at home, I want to welcome those people there as well. If you're not smiling here, we'll get there, okay? Hey, so last weekend, I had an opportunity to practice what Jason preached. He talked about margin and relationships, having space in your life for your most important relationships. Well, my son Nick and daughter-in-law Zoe, they moved recently from New Orleans to Tomball, Texas. So I drove down there and got to see this little precious one, Marlo Kate Threlkeld. Yeah, isn't she cute? Yeah, gets it from her grandfather, I think. So uh, she's, she's 19 months old now. It's amazing. It feels like yesterday I just said, hey, I'm a grandpa. But if you're a grandparent in here, you know what I mean when I say it's the most awesome experience. So that was fun. So we're in this series called Margins. And if you missed the previous weeks, I would encourage you to go to hillcountry.life and check them out. You can watch them online. But real quick, just to catch you up, here's what we mean by margin. Margin is the space between your current pace and your limits. Margin is the space between your current pace, how fast you're going, how fast you're spending, and so on, and whatever your limits are. And we all have limits. And so far in this series, we've talked about creating margin with your schedule and margin in your relationships. And today, we're going to talk about margin with your money. And just up front, I've got some good news for you. This is not a message about giving to the church, okay? So take a deep breath, just... Say hallelujah as you exhale, okay? It's all good. All right. Here's what this message is about. It's about how to handle the resource of money in such a way that you don't create unnecessary stress in your life. Now, a couple weeks ago, I talked about our time, and I said this. Our time is limited, so we have to limit what we do with our time. Remember that? Our time is limited, so we have to limit what we do with our time. Well, money is similar but it's different in this way. Your money is limited, but you don't have to limit what you do with money. You know why? Because whereas you cannot borrow time, you can borrow money. And see, when we borrow money or we're not careful with how we manage our money, before long, our financial world can get very, very messy. And so today, I want to talk to you about how to create some margin financially. And to begin our discussion, I want to tell you something that nobody's telling you. It's simply this. There is a big difference between standard of living and quality of life. Let me say that again. There's a big difference between standard of living and quality of life. Now, every day in every single advertisement, I am told that if I just raise my standard of living, like if I drive better and dress better and eat out better and vacation better, if I raise my standard of living, it'll improve my quality of life. That's absolutely not true. In fact, some of you, you may have a higher standard of living than you've ever had, but you don't get along or you argue about money all the time or you got all sorts of stuff and you don't enjoy any of it. You know why? <laughs> because there's a big difference between standard of living and quality of life. See, you can raise your standard of living with debt, but you raise your quality of life with discipline. And unfortunately, I think we like debt more 
than discipline. Right, can we just be honest? <laughs> we like that more than discipline. It got really quiet in here at that point. But I haven't even got to the Bible yet, and people are like, oh, boy. <laughs> but what do, you, what do you think God's more concerned about? Our standard of living or our quality of life? Yeah. Or let me say it this way. If you're married, what would you rather have, an awesome marriage or a horrible marriage with really cool stuff? Some of you have tried this, right? You've got the awesome home, the really cool cars, but you don't even really want to come home at night. And as soon as she hears the garage door open, she's looking for something to do. She's checking out, and you're happy because you got that cool car. Way to go. Now, at some point along the way, it dawns on us, and the earlier, the better, that there is a big, big difference between standard of living and quality of life. And that's why creating margin is such a huge, huge deal. Here's a big verse for today. Ecclesiastes 5.10. Those who love money will never have enough. People, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Now, that was written by Solomon, the wisest dude ever, 2,000 years ago. We should get that tattooed on our foreheads, people. Seriously. And here's where we're going today. Creating margin financially may lower your standard of living. Creating margin financially may lower your standard of living. See, I can't do that. I'm an American. They might deport me, right? What an un-American thing to do. And hang on, all right? Creating margin financially may lower your standard of living, but I promise you this. It's going to increase your quality of life. And at some point along the way, quality of life is going to become more important to you than standard of living. In fact, some of you are already there. You've got stuff, and honestly, you wish you didn't even have it, right? Or maybe you're stuck. You're upside down in a car payment, or you've got a closet full of things that were really cool, but you don't wear them anymore, and you do that thing that every lady does. Okay, let's just admit this, women, okay? You walk into a full closet and say, I don't have anything to wear, right? <laughs> See, you fell for this thinking, though, somewhere along the way that, Standard of living improves quality of life. And maybe you got more money than you've ever had, but you don't have peace. You don't have peace because you fell for a lie, all right? Are you with me? Okay. All right, real quick, let me tell you three things that I know to be true about you, and then we're going to dive in here. Number one, you are living on a percentage of your income right now. And I didn't think anybody would go, wow, Brian, really? I'm living on a percentage of my income? And let me finish. You're living on a percentage of your income and you don't know what it is. See, most people don't talk much about this one. You are going to live on a percentage of your income, so why not pick one? See, if you don't pick one, culture will pick one for you. If you don't pick one, the mall will pick one for you. If you don't pick one, the car dealership or a real estate agent will pick one for you. Most people haven't thought about this. They're living on a percentage of their income, but they've just allowed life to drive that percentage. They haven't been intentional about that. Now, the second thing I know about you is this. You think if you had a little bit more, things would be fine. I mean, how many times have we said that? If I just had a little bit, things, things are so tight right now. Just a little bit more and I would be fine. Now, here's what's interesting about this. The reason we feel that way is because we've never chosen a percentage and we've maxed out our margins. And we're back to our verse again, Ecclesiastes 5.10. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless 
to think that wealth brings true happiness. Now, don't laugh at yourself and don't elbow the person next to you and don't think, well, I can't wait for my husband to hear this one. But the third thing I know about you is this. You felt the same way when you made a lot less. In other words, if somebody were to tell you 10 years ago that you'd be making the money you're making now, but you would still feel pressure financially, you would have laughed at them like, are you kidding me? And yet, here you are, better off than you ever have been before, and you're still thinking, if I just made a little bit more, things would be fine. Okay, that's called marginless living. And the interesting thing is, that'll never, ever change, no matter how much money you make until you make some big changes. You know, study has, after study after study has shown that people push the margins. We just do. So if we make $40,000 a year, we spend $40,000 a year. We make $80,000 a year, we spend $80,000 a year. We make $200,000 a year, we spend $200,000 a year. But the gap between what you make and what you spend, that is the margin And I can promise you this, the more margin you have, the more breathing room you have. And the more breathing room you have, the more at peace you will feel. And I'm telling you, we all want peace. We all want peace. And the key to that is that gap between income and spending. It's been proven in study after study. People who don't max themselves out, they get along better, you sleep better, you drive slower, You can pray and concentrate. You feel more joy. You're more generous with your time, with your money. And if we learn nothing else today, like if I was just to say right now, okay, that's it for today, folks. God, we just want to thank you for our 10 minutes of sermon this morning. Like it would be awesome and life-changing if you just did this one thing. Your life would be way better. And I don't think anybody in here would say, well, that's the worst idea ever, Brian. You know why? Because we know all this up here. I think we know this stuff intuitively, but the challenge is applying it because most Americans squeeze the gap or their spending goes over their income. And that's true regardless of what they make, 40,000, 80,000, 200,000. If you spend beyond your limit, the pressure comes in no matter how much you make. In fact, maybe you're here and let's say you're making $75,000 a year. And you think to yourself, man, I hear about these rich people pulling in 250 grand a year. Wow, if I made 250K, I'd be throwing money out the window. I'd be so rich. Well, you know what? People who make $250,000 a year and have it all spent, like it's crammed into every category, every budget line item, they feel the same way you do. They feel that pressure. In fact, I'd say it's even worse. Let me tell you why it's worse. Because if you lose, say, a $55,000 a year job, you can get one of those maybe. But if you lose a $250,000 a year job, whoa, those are few and far between. And I'm telling you, the more money people make, if their spending goes up to their income, the pressure just increases. Then, of course, there are the uh uh-oh situations. You know, things get bad. You lose a job. Maybe your income drops Or maybe you just spend and borrow your way into oblivion. The next thing you know, you are upside down. And then comes the relational pressure, the marriage tension, those kinds of things. And you know what? It's always surprising to people. But they end up with this life full of stuff, and they don't enjoy any of it. Well, nobody ought to live that way. But I would say especially those of us here who are Christians, we shouldn't live that way. 
And can you be a Christian and blow this principle off? Sure you can. <laughs> but if you really want to follow Jesus, like if you really want the good life, the abundant life he promised, you need to get this principle straight in your head. Because when your finances are a mess and you're upside down and you're in debt, you know what happens next? You become a slave. Listen to Proverbs 22.7. The borrower is slave to the lender. That is an incredible key truth. The borrower is slave to the lender. See, you purchase, you borrow your way into slavery. So consequently, the banks become your masters and you hate them. Like you get letters in the mail from them. You don't even know who them is and they don't know you. You're just a number to them. And then now, everything financial is your master. So you can't buy that. You can't drive that car. You can't live there. She can't go to that school. We can't vacation. You just can't. And you know who's running your life at that point? People you don't know. Financial institutions. You got your mortgage payment, your car payments, your bills. They are running your life. And now, there are so many things you just can't do. You can't fund your dreams. You can't fund your children's dreams. You can't fund your grandchildren's dreams. You just can't. And then on top of that, you become a slave emotionally. You know why? Because you're worried about money all the time. You just worry, worry, worry. And who wants that? But we do. And you know what also happens? We have excuses, right? You say, well, Brian, it's just a bad economy. No, it's not just the economy. Like this happened way before 2020. This happened way before 2008. It's just the way you've been living. And then the economy hit a bump, and that became an easy thing to blame. Well, it's the president, right? It's the previous president. It's Wall Street. No, no, no. The problem is you've been living with very little to no margin, and it caught up with you. I think that should change, don't you? Let's spin this around. Let's get some good news going here. Because if you're a Christian... This is a really big deal. I mean, do you know how much Jesus talked about money in the Bible? More than he talked about heaven and hell combined. I mean, he talked a lot about money, so it's hard to find excuses in this department. In fact, this whole idea of living your life as a slave to all things financial, Jesus predicted this 2,000 years ago. Check this out. In Luke 16, Jesus tells a fascinating parable about a money manager. And at the end of this parable about money, he draws this conclusion. Look at what he said. He said, no one can serve two masters. Now get that in your head. He's talking about money here, and Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. And maybe you get this because growing up, your, your mom was always saying one thing, your dad was always saying another thing, or maybe your parents were divorced and you live with your mom part of the time, you live with your dad part of the time, you felt like you had two masters. Well, Jesus says, yeah, I understand that, but nobody can really serve two masters. There's this tension to where you can't be fully devoted to either one if you try to split yourself. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, like love my mom, don't love my dad, love my dad, don't love my mom. You know, there's that tension that's there. You will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Folks, this is brilliant, what Jesus is saying right here. It really is. Jesus is saying, if you find yourself in a tug of war with two people, two different groups who want you to go their way, you know, you're going to be inclined. You're going to have to lean one way or the other way. And then Jesus makes 
this relevant and yet 2,000-year-old comment. You cannot serve both God and money. Whew. Oh, you mean you can't serve God and the devil, right, Jesus? No. You cannot serve both God and money. So you may find yourself in a situation where there's this tension between your devotion to God and your devotion to stuff, and you got to choose. And this is so important because if money, your finances becomes your master to the point where you pick up the pages of Scripture and, and you're reading along and say, yeah, I know Jesus says that, but, but I can't. Like Visa won't let me. My mortgage company won't let me. And if you're so enslaved financially that you can't do what Jesus calls, then you can't follow him fully. And then, if that's not enough to add insult to injury, Jesus comes along and over and over and over again, you know this in the New Testament, what does he say? Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't you hate those verses? Because you're going, have you seen my financial world? Like, Jesus, I want to follow you, but how can I not worry? Look at the mess I've made. And then the economy made it worse, and my boss made it even worse. And I know, I, I, you know. I like to blame everyone else. I haven't saved. I haven't been careful. I've just been doing what everybody else has been doing. That's all. And, and you know, I, I love coming to church. And, man, I love singing the songs, and, and I love praying, and, and I love the messages, except maybe today's. And, and you know, I, I love my family being here. But, honestly, when it comes down to actually doing this stuff, I, I just can't right now. So you see, you've allowed your mismanagement of money to get in the way of being as devoted to Jesus as your heart would really want to be devoted to Jesus. So you see how this can become a big deal. Like I can't make Jesus the master of my finances because I don't have any margin. I don't have anything to give to others to help people out. I just can't. Or I can't do what Jesus says emotionally because I worry about my money all the time. So do you see why you need to create margin financially? It's because in that margin, that's where you find peace. In that margin is where you find that ability to love others, to serve others financially. So the question is this, and it's Jesus' question, not mine. Who's going to be your master, God or money? God or money? Now, you want some really good news? Your heavenly father who love, love, loves you. You know what he's saying to you right now? If this is the situation you're in, he's saying, come on, let's take a step away from the edge here. Let's take a step away from the limit. I want you to live the abundant life. I don't want you to be driven by standard of living. I want you to be driven by quality of life where you'll have a better quality of relationships. You'll be in a better position to, to serve me. You'll be in a better position to love and give to others. So how do we do this? Right, let me give you some action steps here. The first one, and this is pretty complicated, so, so pay attention. You have to decide. You have to decide. Let's say that one together. I'm going to decide. Yeah. Sounds easy. It's easy to say, right? You know, it's kind of like working out. You know, working out is not about the difficulty, is it? It's about the discipline. Like, nobody ever says, well, the reason I don't exercise is I don't know how to move my arms this way or do. It's not that. It's the discipline. So step one is, you know what you got to do? You got to get so ticked off. You got to get so disgusted, so mad, so frustrated that you say, I am not doing this anymore, dag nabbit. You know, 
I'm just not. I'm opening up some space here. I'm going to create some space financially. People, you've got to hit the wall and decide. It's a huge, huge step. You don't get there, just forget all the other steps. Step two, create a margin goal. Here's what I mean by this. Okay, you've got to decide what percentage you would like between your income and your spending, okay? And I know what you're thinking. Well, I haven't crunched the numbers yet. How can I even know what that's going to be? Here's all I'm asking you to do. Just pick a number. If you're single, pick it on your own. If you're married, pick it with your spouse. In an ideal world, what would you like that percentage to be? Five, 10, 20%? Just pick, I dare you to just choose a percentage to shoot for. All right, step three. You got to spy on your money for two months. Everybody should be knowing where all the money is going, okay? Yeah, I'm a poet and a preacher. Yeah, really good. Everybody should be knowing where all the money is going. If you don't know where your money's going, forget doing a budget. Just throw that out. Just go get a ledger sheet, Quicken, Excel, piece of paper. I don't care. Okay, whatever. But jot down every penny you spend for two months because you can't create space until you know where it goes. Spy on your money. Step four is you got to cut your spending. I know we all hate to cut spending, so let me give you a little insight. You ready? I want is better than I owe. Will you trust me on that one? I want is so much. I want that house. I want to live there is so much better than I owe on this house that I really can't afford. I want that car is better than I owe on that car. I want that pair of shoes is better than I owe for a pair of shoes. I want to eat at that restaurant is better than I owe money to that restaurant. I want to go on that cool vacation is better than I owe money for a cool vacation I couldn't afford. I want is better than I owe. Folks, this goes right to the heart of what I call the American insanity right here, okay? You got to get there. Final step, develop a debt payoff plan. Okay, I am not a financial advisor, right? I'm not a financial planner, manager, whatever. But I'm going to give you a few steps to get started. Step one is this. Right now on our website, front page, you can go on there and you can sign up for our next Financial Peace University small group. Okay, we launch these periodically. Just click on there, give us your information, say, I want to be a part of that. If you haven't been through Dave Ramsey's program, it's a great program. It'll give you a comprehensive A to Z guide for getting it all figured out, okay? So that's probably your best step forward. But let's say you're here this morning, you're like, ah, you know, Brian, I don't have the time or the money for that course. Okay, here's another option. Go on to Amazon or your favorite bookseller, wherever that is, and buy Dave Ramsey's book, Financial Peace Revisited. Okay, it's a very simple plan. It's comprehensive. You can just read the book. Now, if you're here, you say, well, you know, Brian, I I don't know if I can afford the book. All right, here's option number three, okay? You're not getting off that easy. All right, go to a bookstore, pull the book off the shelf, okay? Find a cozy little chair, sit down and read chapter eight, okay? Page 67 is where it starts. Uh Uh-huh. Just read the chapter. Oh, man, I got to go all the way to the bookstore, find the book, sit I don't have the time. Okay, here's option four. Take your smartphone that you can't afford and go find that book, okay? Pull it off the shelf. Take a picture of pages 90 and 91. It's Dave Ramsey's Debt Snowball Program, okay? 
and then very carefully close the book. Don't bend any pages. Put it back on the shelf. Go home, open your camera app, read those two pages, and get started. (laughs) See, you can do it, can't you? And if Dave has a problem with that, you can take it up with him in heaven, all right? (laughs) Or better yet, you can point over to me, that guy over there, Pastor Brian, he told me to do it, all right? And to alleviate my guilt, here's what I'm asking you to do. Once you get out of debt, go back to that bookstore and buy the book, all right? Yeah. And Jesus can mediate between Dave and I when we get to the judgment seat, all right? I'm good with that. Here's my point. You can get out of debt if you decide. Come talk to me after this. If you don't believe me, I'll introduce you to dozens of people here in our church who have done just that. But you got to decide. And if you really want to live that good life, that abundant life that Jesus was talking about, this is just essential. It's why Jesus talked so much about money, because he knew something. He knew that the chief competitor for your heart is not the devil. The chief competitor for your heart is stuff. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, knew that. And so he said, I didn't just come to die on a cross for your sins so that one day you go to heaven. I came so that you could have abundant life now. And that means you've got to create financial margin. So decide, create a margin goal, spy on your money, cut spending, get out of debt, and start living that good life. Let me pray for you. Lord, I know that this is a challenging thing for many of us. I know that finances are a big deal. They're a part of 70 to 80% of marriage conflicts. They're a part of stress and worry in our lives. And God, they keep us from being free to really be generous and, and give to others and care for others and love people. And ultimately, from being able to be devoted to you. And God, I know that this is a challenge, but I also know that it's possible. No matter what, we make these excuses. We can do this if we decide. And God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that my brothers and sisters here today, if they're living on the edge, if they're overspending, if they're in debt, they need to get out, I pray that they would just start and know that you love them no matter where they're at, no matter what mess they've made. You love, love, love them, and you're going to help them to get out of it so they can be truly free, so that they can find that peace that you can only find in the margin. So God, we just commit these truths to you. And I know in my own life, it's been, it's been a journey and I've had to battle through debt in my past. And God, in the journey, you show up and you do incredible things. So thanks for loving us so much. Thanks for caring for us so much that you've given us these incredible truths in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, folks. So I don't have much to add except the ball's in your court. Step one is decide. Decide. Have a wonderful day.